Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, September 25th. In today's news, Rod Rosenstein will keep his job at least through Thursday. President Trump speaks to the UN today about Iran, and the West is taking a much more confrontational approach to counter Russian spying. But first, the big idea. President Trump, antsy and impatient, called Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell on Saturday with an unmistakable message. Call the vote on Brett Kavanaugh's nomination to the Supreme Court and call it soon. Trump has been simmering with frustration over what one senior White House official dubs the molasses-like pace of Kavanaugh's confirmation process, where the president has also long blamed Republican leaders with slow walking the border wall and other key agenda items. The president doubled down for his pick in New York on Monday, even after the New Yorker magazine reported on a second accusation of sexual misconduct from a classmate of Kavanaugh's at Yale. There's a chance that this could be one of the single most unfair, unjust things to happen to a candidate for anything. But I am with Judge Kavanaugh and I look forward to a vote. And for people to come out of the woodwork from 36 years ago and 30 years ago and never mention it, all of a sudden it happens. In my opinion, it's totally political. Despite their public projections of unity, Trump and his aides behind the scenes see Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley, a Republican from Iowa, as having been too accommodating to Christine Blasey Ford, the California professor who has alleged that Kavanaugh sexually assaulted her when she was a teenager. She's slated to testify under oath on Thursday, as is Kavanaugh. Trump told Kavanaugh in a phone call Monday that he remains behind him 100% and wished him luck ahead of his interview on Fox News. Appearing on Fox last night alongside his wife Ashley, Kavanaugh expressed resolve to fight through the allegations. And yes, people might have had too many beers on occasion, And people generally in high school, I think all of us have probably done things we look back on in high school and regret or cringe a bit, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about an allegation of sexual assault. I've never sexually assaulted anyone. I did not have sexual intercourse or anything close to sexual intercourse in high school or for many years thereafter. Conservatives have elevated this Supreme Court nomination fight to a political litmus test demanding that GOP leaders deliver Kavanaugh's confirmation or risk a backlash at the polls. Top Republican senators signaled a desire to push Kavanaugh through committee by the end of this week, meaning that they will hold a vote the day after Dr. Ford testifies. Although it's not clear right now whether they have the votes, Susan Collins from Maine and Lisa Murkowski from Alaska continue to keep their cards close to the vest. In a Monday afternoon floor speech, McConnell slammed Democrats for what he called a smear campaign against Kavanaugh. Democrats have signaled for months they'd put on whatever performance the far left special interests demanded and throw all the mud, all the mud they could manufacture. Well, it's not like they didn't warn us, but even by the far left's standards, this shameful, shameful smear campaign has hit a new low. This firestorm has engulfed Capitol Hill, where 128 anti-Kavanaugh protesters were arrested in a Senate office building around the time McConnell spoke. 
and a letter sent late Monday night by Ford's legal team indicates that not all the sticking points have been settled ahead of her appearance on Thursday. Dr. Ford's attorney, Michael Bromwich, complained about McConnell's blistering speech, which he called inconsistent with the approach that Senate Republicans have promised to take. The Grassley staff has said they've hired a, quote, experienced sex crimes prosecutor to cross-examine Ford and that this person is a woman, but they refuse to tell Ford's lawyers who the person is. Republicans are desperate not to have the all-male GOP members of the Judiciary Committee question a purported victim of sexual assault. They want to watch as a woman tries to poke holes in her account. Bromwich, Ford's lawyer, says this is deeply unfair. He noted that this is not a criminal trial for which the involvement of a prosecutor would be appropriate. He noted that Dr. Ford is not on trial. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, White House officials said Monday that Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein will stay in his job for now after a chaotic morning of speculation that he was about to resign. While job insecurity has been a regular feature of Rosenstein's life due to attacks from the president over the Russia investigation, his hold on his job never seemed as tenuous as on Monday, after reports last Friday that he suggested secretly recording the president and wearing a wire. The reports also say he was mounting an effort within the cabinet to mull using the 25th Amendment to remove Trump from office. Now, Rosenstein has strongly disputed the accuracy of that, but his denials on the wire have left plenty of room for interpretation. His allies say it was meant as a joke. Multiple officials said that during weekend conversations between and among White House and Justice Department officials, Rosenstein indicated that he was considering resigning. When Rosenstein went to the White House on Monday morning, senior Trump advisors expected him to come with his resignation. A Justice Department official, however, said Rosenstein had no intention of resigning, but went there expecting that he was going to get fired. Had Rosenstein resigned, the development would have further destabilized a Justice Department already under siege. Now, Trump plans to meet in the Oval Office with Rosenstein on Thursday during that Kavanaugh hearing to discuss the situation. The deputy attorney general's ultimate fate remains uncertain. Number two, Trump sought to promote his foreign policy agenda at the United Nations General Assembly, criticizing Iranian leaders and announcing a second summit with Kim Jong-un. But his agenda was largely thwarted by the political firestorm back in Washington. By mid-afternoon Monday, when he sat down for a meeting with South Korean President Moon Jae-in, Trump was looking ahead to Thursday when he'll meet with Rosenstein and the Kavanaugh hearing happens. The questions shifted from whether Trump could tame rival leaders abroad to whether he would be able to tamp down yet another day of internal White House chaos. Many foreign affairs analysts say Trump's preoccupation with these domestic crises are the byproduct of a president who's unable to compartmentalize the duties of his office. Meanwhile, National Security Advisor John Bolton announced that U.S. troops will not leave Syria until Iran ends operations in the war-torn country. This is notable because countering Iranian forces has not formally been part of the U.S. military's mission there until now. Defense Secretary Jim Mattis, though, speaking to reporters at the Pentagon just a few hours after Bolton's remarks, said that the U.S. military's mission in Syria remains focused solely on the defeat of the Islamic State and that it is not a proxy war with Iran. We'll see what Trump says today. Number three. In the months since a former Russian spy and his daughter were poisoned by a Soviet-era nerve agent on British soil, a spate of suspected operatives for the Russian intelligence agency, GRU, have been arrested across continental Europe. 
The moves suggest that the countries are adopting a newly aggressive approach to Kremlin espionage on their own soil. On Friday, for example, Norwegian authorities arrested a 51-year-old Russian man on suspicion that he unlawfully gathered information during an interparliamentary seminar on digitization earlier this month. Estonia arrested a military officer and his father, both Russian-Estonian citizens, and accused them of having spied for Russia for more than half a decade. And Swiss officials confirmed two weeks ago that Dutch authorities had arrested and expelled a pair of suspected Russian spies earlier this year over accusations that they had been trying to hack a Swiss laboratory. That lab was involved in the investigation into the attack on the former Russian spy and his daughter in Great Britain. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, September 25th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.